Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong. Radiant. Timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's begin today's episode with the busting of a popular myth. You have probably often heard that the proper amount of walking uh, average person should do a day uh, works out to 10,000 steps. Oh, that's true. That's what your little fitness tracker is supposed to say at the end of the day. Right, right. right. Okay. And that's a lot of corporate initiatives say, let's all walk 10,000 steps, you know. That's good for you, but there's not a lot of really compelling science that nails exactly 10,000 steps. Gotcha. It is a digestible number, though, is it not? Mm-hmm. And it is. It is. It's a nice, easy, round number that sounds big mm-hmm. and ambitious, but achievable. And we're bringing that up just to set up a fantastic segue into a story about walking and into a story about ambition, several stories, in fact. Who are you? Oh, uh, in this iteration, they call me Ben. In this one? Okay. You, yeah, there, yeah. Are, there are alternate versions. I mean, you know. You contain multitudes. Hey, right? If I contradict myself very well, then I contradict myself. But uh, enough about me. What about you? I don't want to talk about me. But who are you? I'm Noel. This is Ridiculous History. And we have uh, clearly run out of ideas, Uh, (laughs) which is fine, which is fine. happens to the best of us. Um, But we're going to do our damnedest with this one, uh, talking about a dude, an English guy who uh, walked a lot and um, had ambitions. And then we're going to follow that up with a, a, a story about another guy with ambitions. And then I think we'll wrap up with some little nuggets about other weird people that did weird stuff. I, you know, I respectfully disagree. I don't think we've run out of ideas. I think we're definitely going weird with this one. I like it. It's yeah. cool. It's going to be a fun one. It's going to be a grab bag mm-hmm. type episode, and and we're going to wrap it up with uh, some surprises. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we have something special for you at the end. What is it, you might ask? Stay tuned. Uh, so first things first, we'd like to introduce you to a fellow named Simeon Ellerton. 
This guy is British, and uh, British listeners, you may already recognize his name because he's often referenced when someone talks about the the notable British eccentricity. Speaking of British listeners, um, over on our Facebook page at Ridiculous History, I got a real nice ding, or we did, I guess, for um, our Guy Fox episode uh, where a listener um, said that he cringed his way through the episode because we pronounced um, the guy who was in charge of the gunpowder plot, who we pronounced as Catsby, mm-hmm. it's apparently Catesby. Mm. And he said that just made him shrivel in horror. So hopefully we don't do that again. I'm sure, I don't think there's any other way to pronounce Simeon. Simon, maybe? What if it's pronounced Simon and we don't know? The die is cast. Exactly. You know what, though? You just got to double down. We just got to roll with it. So Simeon Ellerton Mm -hmm. was, uh, he's often described in a couple ways in different accounts, Uh, one of which is a known, a noted pedestrian. That is my favorite one. I love that. I I wish I was known as a noted pedestrian. Or a uh, a Fitness enthusiast. Fitness enthusiast. Um, you know, the term eccentric gets thrown around quite a lot, but let's just give you the broad strokes. Who was Simeon Ellerton? He was employed by the gentry of his neighborhood. Just the general gentry? <laughs> to uh, execute, uh, this is a quotation, to execute commissions in the South. So which, he was sort of an assassin. Mm, just no. of commissions. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Uh, which he executed with fidelity and diligence. Not that we're going to be vain about this, but we want you to know that's a quote because neither of us would use execute or a, another version of it twice in the same sure, sentence. Diligence. <laughs> what kind of word is that? Uh, no. So I guess what that means in, 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 in normal human speak is that he, he was kind of a courier mm-hmm. and that was directly tied to his fondness of uh, the walk. Right. So it wasn't just that he enjoyed a stroll, which a lot of people do. Uh, He liked to walk incredibly long distances. And when he was on these meandering journeys, he picked up a weird habit, which literally involved picking things up. Yep. He collected stones from across England, and then he would just bring them back with him. I'm assuming in some sort of pile that he maintained. Uh, yeah, he would he would carry them, though, on his head. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? Uh, but at first, he just, yeah, started piling stones on his land. He was so known um, as, as being a, an enthusiastic walker, that's probably what led him to be employed by the gentry in the first place. They were like, well, Simeon will go. Mm-hmm. He, he's already walking from Surrey to, God, <laughs> Yorkshire. English <laughs> listeners. You can also school us on Ridiculous History Facebook about the geography of England. But hey, spoiler alert, I don't know the geography of my country either. So you're not going to hurt my feelings Oh, there. man. Oh, man. I'm really bad at geography. But no, he would go like 50 miles mm-hmm. on foot. Mm-hmm. Round trip. Yeah, or 80 kilometers for our friends across the pond. All the while carrying these stones upon his, his head. Yeah. Yeah, which feels like a weird way to carry stones. Surely not balancing, though. You know, one would think it depends on the size of the stone. Yeah. But given the distance, you would imagine he would have to hold it with both hands mm-hmm. or have a contraption that he used to strap it to his he head. He wasn't a noted contraptionist, though. No, he was not a contraptionaire. you think that would have figured into his, uh, his CV. Right. That's something you would mention. I think in this time period a contraption would also be notable. So he's got this pile of stones. and He's been doing this for years. And he's been doing this for years and years and years. 
And eventually, he looks around the pile and he thinks, I should do something. I should do something other than just walking and throwing these into a pile. Well, that is one interpretation, Ben. The other would be maybe he knew all along what he was going to do with it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you think? The record is unclear. The record is unclear. I would like to imagine that he had a plan. You know, wouldn't, wouldn't you like to imagine that? I, that's what I'm doing. Okay, because yep. other, otherwise it seems um, indicative of something beyond eccentricity. Exactly, exactly. Uh, that plan in question is, uh, was that he was going to use these stones to build himself uh, a little stone cottage uh, that he would also design himself. And this was a brilliant plan, financially speaking, because sure. he didn't have to pay for someone else to haul the stones. He didn't have to pay for the stones himself. He was just finding them uh, by, you know, in the hills, by the road, and doing all the transit on his own power. This, according to folks like Andy Stauffer, the owner of Stauffer & Sons Construction, puts him ahead of his time by a matter of centuries. Yeah, very much so. I mean, the idea of using reclaimed material to build a home um, today is is very much in fashion. Um, Stoffer says uh, in an interview with How Stuff Works that using material that already exists on your land can be a huge advantage and that the materials are free and you don't need to ship them to your job site. God, can you imagine shipping masonry? Mm. Or, you know, that's that's – Expensive. Very, very expensive, yeah. yeah. Uh, and he says, or your job site, and he says, the challenge is that builders must ensure the items found on a property can be used for structural materials. Here's the thing, too, though, Ben. This was in, you know, the 1700s. Mm-hmm. And there, I can't imagine that there were exactly building codes. <laughs> and, right. And, and did he own the land? That's the thing, you guys. There's a lot of conjecture here because there's precious little about this this fellow. Um, one of the most prominent sources of the very few sources about him at all um, was a publication called the Yorkshire County Magazine. Um, and it describes uh, Simeon by way of his death in 1799. He's not dead to us yet for the purposes of this story, but sure. I just want to read this to, to you for sure, the sure. sake of a little context. Um, he died at Crike. Okay, Crikey? Crake? What do you think, Ben? C-R-A-I-K-E. Right in. Let us know. Go with Crake. Crake. Yeah. I'm going to do Crake. In the county of Durham. Know that one. uh, At the advanced age of 104 years old. Mm -hmm. No small task in those days. Right, Ben? So now, yeah, no small task. And now we see uh, the advantage of his continual exercise that had to play some sort of a role. Absolutely. And my whole question here is like, what was his lineage? Where did he live before he built himself this mm-hmm. this stone hut? You yeah, know? what did it look like, right? Did people come visit him? Because he sounds just sort of like a, like a village oddball mm-hmm. who people would throw a couple of shillings to to carry their letters because he was already going. Or a really smart, uh, determined guy yeah. with like uh, Andy Dufresne and Shawshank redemption level dedication to a task and forethought right mm-hmm. very forward thinking um it goes on to say yeah he was so he died at the advanced age of 104 making him a centenarian Is that yes right, ben? yeah centenarian uh over 100 years old or just 100 but in his case 104 got it this obituary really goes on to say he was a noted pedestrian yes love I that love that one love that uh and was often employed by gentlemen 
in the neighborhood on commissions to London and other places, which he always executed on foot. And as you said before, Ben, with fidelity and diligence. So, you know, he's a dependable guy. And he's honest. Very honest. He lived in a neat stone cottage of his own building. And what was remarkable, he had literally carried it on his own head. And these would be for journeys of over 50 miles. And that would not be an infrequent amount of mileage for him. The story continues. So that account in the Yorkshire County Magazine is expanded upon in the Historical Register of Remarkable Events. That's true. And just a quick note, the um, the headline for Simeon's little entry in the Yorkshire Magazine was uh, part of a list of Yorkshire centenarians. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And there's a surprising number there. I always feel like it's surprising when there's more than one. Yeah. So, so what happens after he builds this cottage? Uh, he continues carrying stones, doesn't he? He does. And not only that, even leading up to building the cottage, he was looking for a particular type of stone. He wanted them to be just so. And I haven't seen anything listed as to what exactly the uh, qualities were, but I would imagine they had to be pretty smooth. Sure. And then they needed to be able to be stitched together or, or stacked mm. in a way that would, you know, make them sturdy. Sure, um, load-bearing. Yeah, not clear if he was using masonry or if he was, like, you know, mm-hmm. t- putting them together with concrete or anything or if he was literally just stacking them. I don't know. What do you think, man? Or going for an aesthetic. He may have just collected rocks that he enjoyed as mm-hmm. well as rocks that he found suitable for construction. But, yes, he would uh, rarely come home without carrying stones, and he became known for this throughout the county. And let's go back to Andy Stauffer for a moment here, uh, because he has an anecdote about a house he was working on that was built in 1913 and had burned down and needed rebuilding. And this gives us a little bit of a look at the appropriate rock for this kind of foundation. Yeah, it's true. Um, He said the foundation of this house was made of river rocks that had been taken from the local river. But today... You, you can't use rocks like that um, because of uh, things like building codes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he does say that you could use these natural, beautiful-looking rocks to as decorative pieces, but Simeon clearly was, you know, he, he wanted to build this on the cheap, as in on the no money. Mm-hmm. You know, he, his whole goal, I'm hoping— the long-term goal was to build his house out of these stones. Um, and then, uh, so Stouffer goes on to add, quote, if we had wanted to build a natural stone wall but didn't have access to this collection of rock already on the property, it would have cost a considerable amount to import them. So in this case, having found materials is a great benefit for both the cost efficiency and beauty perspective. Because, again, he had, you know, no one, no one has a lifetime to carry rocks for a building job, but mm-hmm. Simeon seemed like he had all the time in the world. He's a very Zen character to me. I really, I, I, mm-hmm. I kind of dig his whole vibe. It's interesting to watch your interpretation of him evolve even in the course of this episode. And we don't have a ton of information about Ellerton as we, as we said at the top, but uh, we do know that he kept going in some way, in a symbolic way. So after he has his home built, he's not carrying these heavy load-bearing, potentially load-bearing rocks on his head, but he's still walking around with a very interesting habit. Yeah, he had a bag of rocks. Right. Mm -hmm. And to me, this, this is sort of the clue I was looking for that he, he had a plan. (laughs) He, He was that Andy Dufresne level of like forward thinking. You know, there was a lot going on 
uh, this. I'm like, you're right. My perspective on this guy really is evolving. And the more we talk about him, I like him very, very much. And it's reported that he still felt as though the extra weight was a requirement for him to enjoy walking. And maybe we end this part of weird people who built weird things. Uh, maybe we end it with uh, one of our favorite quotes that we found from Ellerton. Yeah, I mean, you know, he he was a, a known dude around town and people would stop him. Seems like he was probably pretty friendly because whenever someone would inquire his reason for carrying uh, these rocks or having a weight upon his head, um, he would always reply, "'Tis to keep on my hat." <laughs> I think it's so beautiful, man. I mean, this guy seems like he'd be fun to hang he out really with. He really does. He really, really does. I, I, I want to build a religion around this man. Ah, I'm glad that we're uh, verging into spirituality here or the more esoteric fields because we found another person that we wanted to explore, another weird guy or visionary who built a weird thing, or should we say a visionary thing. The choice, friends and neighbors, is up to you. We would like to introduce you to something called Coral Castle, built by a man named Edward Leedskelden. That's a doozy of a last name there. He's Latvian. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. You know, Ben, I got to say, one of the best parts about spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity you get where you're like, man, how have I been living like this? What's wrong with me? <laughs> you're right, Noel. It's, it's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. Cement Mobile for details. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car, I'd get that car, and I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know. I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac yeah. Bonneville, right? Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one, and that was a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, <laughs> I said El Camino, and I meant Monte Carlo. 
I miss it so. Uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos, and the last one, God bless it, I just I I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally, but it, it still was like a a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now. Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So there's a small town in Florida. It's called Homestead. And in Homestead is one of the most bizarre structures in Florida. It's a 10-acre stone park called Coral Castle. By himself, Edward built this thing, and he made it using around 243 tons of gigantic coral blocks. Okay, so he's upping the ante here a little bit, and this is uh, this is about 100 years later than our boy Simeon, and some technology does come into play for this man's story. But set the scene for us, Ben. Sure, sure. So, uh, this, let's, let's lead up to, uh, the construction of the castle. You see, when he was around 26, uh, Edward was born in January of 1887 in Latvia. We don't know too much about his childhood other than he wasn't super well off. He wasn't part of the Latvian elite and he only had a formal education going up to about fourth grade, but he was a real bookworm. And uh, when he was around 26, he was engaged to marry a lady named Agnes Scuffs. She was about 10 years younger than Edward. And when she broke the engagement, he said, blast it all. And he decided that he was going to move to the United States. So he immigrated uh, to North America. Originally, he, he arrived in New York City, and then he originally, after that, traveled to Oregon, but he caught tuberculosis, and this uh, inspired him to move to Florida. For the climate, right? Yeah, yeah, for the climate. Then he purchased an acre of land, and according to newspaper reports of the time, he was going to construct a home. And an acre, that was affordable. You didn't have to be... A swell to yeah. afford an acre, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Everyone had an opportunity. It was a land of opportunity in those days. <laughs> now, you know, buy me an acre in, in Atlanta, um, I'll, I'll show you a, a, a square that costs a million dollars. Oh, yeah, too true, and that might be a deal. So like our earlier example with Ellerton, there's not a whole lot known about this guy's early life, but there's a, there's a lot of conjecture. What we do know is, is that instead of building a normal house, quote-unquote normal house, uh, he spent over 20 years, the ne almost the next three decades, uh, expanding this strange, bizarre 
stone garden, uh, and he worked in secret and by himself. And even today, some people will argue that he had some sort of mysterious insight into construction. Well, he was carrying a torch for uh, Agnes, right, this mm-hmm. whole time. This was all an act of of sadness, kind of, right? Or it was, like, meant to be a monument to her in some way, even though she totally screwed him over? Yeah, yeah, almost like a, a dirge or a, a, a breakup love song in stone form. And you can see the sheer scale of these things today. It's also strange that uh, Ed... You want to just call him Ed for this? Yeah. Eddie? Yeah, Eddie. There we go. Uh, Eddie was five feet tall and only around 100 pounds. Little fella. Yeah, and no one saw him work. Like, literally no one ever saw how he constructed it. And when we say a rock garden, we're not just talking about several large slabs of coral stuck you know, 30 feet apart from each other or something. He was carving this. He even made furniture, these oversized beds, rocking chairs, fountains, tables, sundials, a throne. So I guess he made the, I guess he made like a chair and then said, you know what? This either has to rock or look regal. Now, do we talk about the fact that he started this in one location and moved it about 10 miles? We should mention that, yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. he had to expand it. Because right. right, he started with that one acre, yeah. and he ended up with 10, and he needed more room. Where's his money coming from, Ben? Where's his money coming from? Well, he did make some pamphlets. So <laughs> what you're saying is questionable? Questionable, Noel, questionable. We know that he did publish pamphlets on a number of subjects that uh, people have paid for, including uh, pamphlets on his beliefs about magnetism. He was another eccentric. uh, And because of these pamphlets he published, where he remarked uh, on his perception of the nature of, you know, forces in the universe, uh, a lot of people had thought that he had some well, they would call it an ancient insight into gravity or magnetism. It did not help that in one, in one response, when people asked him how he built Coral Castle, all he said was that he had, quote, learned the secrets of the pyramids. Cool. Vague. Yeah. <laughs> so does this mean that he had, you know, for some of the more conspiracy-minded folks, would this mean that he had access to some ancient wisdom? I mean, maybe. According to writers like Benjamin Radford, uh, the secret of the pyramid may be a real thing, largely forgotten construction techniques. But instead of, like, strange electromagnetic forces or anti-gravity or any of that jazz, maybe he just built pulleys, tripods, and winches to exert leverage and provide mechanical advantage. Yeah, and this is still there, right? Yeah, this is still there. You can go see it. Uh, the average weight of the stones, about 14 tons each. Uh, he also made a tower, 22-ton obelisk, and he was a master of balancing things. So there's like a door that opens and stuff. All made of coral. All for Agnes Scruffs. Old Scruffy. Um, and so, you know, he passed away um, in, I think, 51 um, and his nephew, um, who had been living in Michigan at the time, inherited the castle. Uh, and this is a kind of a creepy part. Um, when the ownership was being was switching hands after the death, um, they found a box of old Eddie's 
uh, stuff, personal stuff, mm-hmm. and it had a list of instructions that led to the discovery of his life savings, which was thirty-five $100 bills. Inflation has been. All right. Here we are. $3,500 in 1953 is. Casey, could we have a drum roll, please? $32,761.97. Okay, so not a rich man, but very much a kindred spirit to Simeon Ellerton. Mm-hmm. Big time, forward-thinking, um, ingenuitous? Is that, is that a word? I mean, English is a living language, so... Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm making it a word. You wanna go for it? Coining it. Coin it. Right now. Lock it in. But you know, don't you think they're both like, I mean, it, it is kind of, it's a bummer that Ed's story is a little bit more sad, although we don't know what happened to Simeon Ellerton. We don't know why he was carrying those stones. He could have been carrying them as some kind of ritual for someone that he had lost as well. The legend that I just made up is that you can still find him out there in the hills walking today. A shiver just went up my spine, Ben, when you said that. So, to, so uh, yes, we do not know what happened to Simeon Ellerton. Uh, we do know uh, a little bit more about Edward passing away, uh, but we can end on a positive note with his story by saying that he did not just construct something grandiose, ambitious, and weird. He constructed it to a high degree of competency during Hurricane Andrew in 1992 Not one of these stones shifted. Uh, The eight-foot wall that rings the property is still at the same height. And today, people will still tell you, with varying degrees of credibility, what they think his secret method actually was. And he himself claimed to harness a perpetual power to move the stones. He certainly possessed a perpetual power to move me, my friend. Uh, and, and uh, you know, another connection between Simeon and Edward. Um, I wish we knew a little bit more about Simeon, about how long it took him to collect all those stones. Mm-hmm. We do know, though, however, about Edward, that it took him from 1923 to 1951 to knock out that, uh, that coral castle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you ever find yourself in the area do pay it a visit. You know, it's it's a part of obscure history that a lot of people miss. But he was not the only uh, person who built a weird thing. I want to give a shout-out to just a couple of people. Please, we promised that at the top of the show. We can't uh, let people down. Oh, right. Well, shout-out to Richart. That's uh, Richard with a T instead of a D. Richart Soa, S-O-W-A, who built the uh, very inspiring Spiral Island and its replacement, Joy Z Island, uh, J-O-Y-X-E-E. These are built out of sustainable materials. He built the island by himself. Uh, The first one was 66 feet in diameter, made out of 100,000 bottles, and then it expanded as he planted uh, mangroves growing on the island. It's got a beach, a house. It's a mangrove. Is that like a mango? (laughs) It's a, uh, it's a type of uh, small tree that grows in coastal waters or, you know, brackish, semi-salty waters. Got it. So he continued growing this uh, partially as an artistic statement and partially as an aim toward, a, you know, an example of how we could live more sustainably. 
tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car. I'd get that car. And I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know, I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac yeah. Bonneville's. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, I said El Camino <laughs> and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. It, it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, Noel, have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh, boy, have I ever been. <laughs> well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? Well, here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. There's another man named Estavao Silva da Canitao uh, who built on his own a, uh, a house made of found materials. You can see in the walls. Cool. Uh, yeah, cups, rocks. Yeah. Sculpture. 
Uh, and reminds me of Sea Rock City. <laughs> oh, that's a good call too. Oh, that's so cool. I wish I wish this was this an audio podcast. So this is just this is just probably titillating you in a negative way. But look, what's <laughs> it? What's it? Look, how do you how do you find this, Ben? Uh, you can you can find this. Uh, there, there's a great thing you can see uh, on Reuters uh, called Brazil's Homegrown Gaudi by Paulo Whitaker, because this is located in a uh, favela in Sao Paulo, and it drew comparisons to a famous Catalan architect named Antoni Gaudi. And the guy who built it had never heard of this architect. He had never seen any photos of that work. He had just built this home for himself and then later started a family in it. And, you know, personally, I find these stories incredibly inspiring. And we'd like to hear some more stories from you. Is there anybody in your neck of the global woods who has built a, uh, a strange, fascinating structure edifice under their own power? And you know what? You know what? Let's Let's open it up a little, I think. Let's maybe not say just a single person but maybe like a family absolutely or some siblings or something yeah and speaking of broadening the net i think it's time for our first ever attempt at a new segment we'd like to call extra credit yes that's right friends and neighbors extra credit the segment where we are expanding the typical show that we might normally do, you know, and uh, we, we've been talking back and forth about this one, and we're excited because what better way to kick it off than with a very, very special guest? Yes, we have a child, a human child here in uh-huh. the podcast studio. Smartest one in the room. She is the smartest one in the room, um, and, and she's actually, we're related. Mm-hmm. Nepotism going on here. This is, uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Eden, Eden Brown. <laughs> she, you just waved to the people. <laughs> yeah. um, we don't really know what this segment is all about. We're just going to play it by ear. Are you Are you into it? Uh, okay. <laughs> We're going to ask you some questions. Okay. Come on, you got this. Okay. <laughs> You've got this, Eden. So, um, so thank you so much for coming on the the show, and uh, we're real we're really thrilled to have you. And you heard earlier. We were talking about these people who built these crazy things out of stone uh, by themselves. If you were going to build something like that, what 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 kind of thing would you build? I would build a sculpture of a unicorn. Oh yeah, how big would it be? Huge. <laughs> Can you give us some specific measurements? Could you sketch it out for us? Uh. Yeah. <laughs> Hang on, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> She's sketching. We're handy, Miss Brown, some pen and paper. Say, Noel, could you narrate? Okay, she's drawing a line here. Looks like that's the unicorn's, I'm thinking that's its butt. No, that's the horn. Excuse me. Excuse me. Okay, I think we get the idea. So, Eden, why uh, why a unicorn? And, and what would this mean to you? What would you want? I'm obsessed with unicorns. You're obsessed with unicorns. My whole room is unicorns. Really? Yeah. Is that true? Do you, um, what is, what is it about unicorns that you enjoy so much? They're magical, and I, they're, they dance on rainbows. Do they? Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> I did not know this. <laughs> so I would, you know what? I, I am inspired by that. I would <laughs> definitely go see a massive unicorn. Uh, where, would you, where would you build this unicorn? Hmm. I would build it in my backyard. <laughs> and would you charge admission? Because that is one thing these two stories... Uh, our second guy with the Coral Castle, 
he did eventually start making a little money off of tours. That's true. He, you know, his heart was in the right place about just like making it. And then once it was done, it's like, well, you know what? I, mean, I did all this work. I might as well make a little scratch. So, Eden, I know that you up front would be doing it just for the pure joy of doing it. <laughs> but once it was done, how much would you charge for people to come see this giant stone unicorn in your backyard? Hmm, I would cost $25 to come and see it. That seems a little steep. $25? Do you get a shirt? Yes. <laughs> okay, I'm back in. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so I, I've got a question. I'm sure all the, all the listeners out there are wondering, Eden, and that is... Would the unicorn have colors to it? Would it be? I would paint the rocks. Uh huh. And yeah. Fantastic uh, for for twenty five dollars. Yeah, see me. I would I would hope you get a little color for twenty five. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. I guess this is what extra credit is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Eden, for coming on to the show and hanging out with me and your dad and our super producer, Casey. Spoiler alert. Um, Eden took a sick day today, and that's why she's here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And before she infects us all, um, we better get a move on. Um, we hope that you enjoyed the show. We hope you enjoyed our running out of ideas episode, which actually turned out to be kind of chock full of ideas. I'm still weirded out that you call it the running out of ideas episode. It's just a subtitle I'm working on. <laughs> all right. Well, I I am still a fan of weird people building weird things. No, that's fantastic. Weird people building weird things. The running out of ideas episode. <laughs> that's, that's a little long. We'll we'll workshop it and maybe our next episode of Extra Credit will take us to Coral Castle itself. Or anywhere. Chuck E. Cheese. Mm -hmm. You know, the mall. Yeah. Dave and Buster's. Whatever you got. The Grand Canyon. No, it's true. The thing about Extra Credit is that it's very open-ended, and it's just a good way to do something a little different at the end of the show. And, of course, as always, we would like to thank our super producer, Casey Pegram. While we're recording this, uh, and Eden saw this earlier when she was sitting outside of the booth, we sometimes turn to Casey and raise our eyebrows to check to see if he's uh, if he's giving his look of approval. And he seems okay yep. overall today. I think so too, yeah. Seems like he's in a very fine chipper mood. Um, so definitely big thanks to Casey. Big thanks to Alex Williams, um, who composed our theme. Most importantly, big thanks to you for tuning in and hanging out with us for another episode of Ridiculous History. Uh, if you have any thoughts, comments, complaints, keep the complaints. Just just give us the nice stuff. Uh, you can write to us at ridiculous at howstuffworks.com. Oh, and we do have a new complaint department you can write directly to our complaint department jonathan.strickland at howstuffworks.com <laughs> you can find us on instagram facebook uh twitter and uh, various other internetings i'm gonna just go with internetings i like it the internet it's a net and and of course a very special thanks to our inaugural guest of extra credit uh eden brown no what say we give her the last word today Eden. Uh, goodbye. <laughs> this episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Avalon Waterways. Ben, are you in major need of a vacation right now? Noel, you're a mind reader. I am, and uh, aren't we all? 
we are. While cruising remains popular, there's something big happening in the industry, and that is, my friend, smaller ships. True story. The intimate ships of Avalon waterways can go where the big ships can only dream through winding passageways of rolling vineyards and castled hills into the heart of timeless cities and storybook villages. That sounds like a delight. See how Avalon's smaller ships promise greater discoveries, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time. Special offers await at AvalonWaterways.com. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.